The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we work day in and day out throughout the year to get you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And um, today, we're going to take a little detour from the normal let's talk about sticks and bricks kind of discussion and talk instead about an asset class that I don't know man I I blew it off when I first heard about it and I think a lot of you all do too because it's something that you think of as being I don't know, a gamble, like I'm going to put my money in here and hope that someday it's worth a lot of money. And in the meantime, I'm just going to pay taxes on it, which is not what most of us are interested in doing. That asset class is raw land. And uh turns out you can do all kinds of stuff with raw land that makes you money right now, not not your grandchildren money 50 years from now when that highway finally comes through uh, to... I started to say, help me discuss as if like I was going to be talking about it and he was going to help. Uh, no, here to uh, share with all of us <laughs> what the uh, actual possibilities are in land investments is Mr. Jack Bosch, who is joining us by phone this afternoon. Jack, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here because um, I actually... Since last time we talked, I've made a couple of land investments. You convinced me. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's time to convince everyone. How did that turn out? Um, so far, so good. Uh, two, two of the pieces of land are buildable, and we're looking for a buyer who wants to build on them. And, um, yep, I think, I think they're going to turn out really well since I paid $1,000 total for the two lots. There we go. <laughs> I love that. So, thousand uh, dollars for a lot, for five hundred dollars for a lot. That's yes, exactly what I'm talking about. Ex- yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, um, I intentionally didn't didn't give your whole bio there in the introduction because um, I love hearing stories like the one that you have about how you got here and then how you got into land. So, uh, can you share that with our listeners quickly? Sure, I'd love to share my story. So uh, the, the quick version is that uh, I'm originally from Germany. So as you can tell from my accent, it doesn't sound like I'm from Ohio. <laughs> um, and I uh, I live in Phoenix, Arizona now. Been living here for 24 years. Been in the country for 26 years. 
basically came here to finish my college degree, met my wife here, who is actually also an immigrant from Honduras, Central America. So we were both uh, new to the country, uh, or immigrants to the country, not new anymore, now 26 years. Um, and uh, after a few years of working, so after graduating college, we got a job, and we didn't like our jobs. It's like this old story, like probably many people relate to. Most people apparently don't like their jobs. <laughs> and um, And so... We, instead of just getting stuck in our jobs, we decided to do something about it. And uh, we we looked into all kinds of different ways and ultimately into real estate. And through a bunch of trial and error, and just like probably most people trying to get into real estate, we tried wholesaling and we tried tax liens and tax deeds. And then we tried just, we, we, we ended up uh, stumbling into what we call land flipping. And, uh, and basically what we do is we, we pick up, we find people that don't want their pieces of land anymore, which actually there's way more people that don't want their land anymore than there's people that don't want their houses anymore. And we pick them up for sometimes 500 bucks a piece, sometimes 50 bucks a piece, sometimes $50,000 a piece. I mean, it depends, but usually about 10 to 45 cents on a dollar. And then we turn around and we sell them on, um, on, on the open market, but usually not to realtors, but more like to social media and other places. We, we sell them as fast as possible. In some cases, before we even bought them, we have the buyer and we do basically land wholesaling. We do land assignments. We do land seller financing and, uh, and flip those things uh, in a matter of days for sometimes twice the money, sometimes 10x the money. Because if you pick up a property for 500 bucks and you sell it for 5,000, well, that's 10x your money. Mm-hmm. If you pick it up for $50,000 and sell it for $100,000, it's only 2x your money, but it's a $50,000 profit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I can tell you absolutely the reason that when I when I first even heard about you, I was like, yeah, that's probably for somebody else, not for me, was because <laughs> I grew up, well, I grew up in a real estate family and it was all about the houses and apartments and all of that sort of stuff. And my perception yeah. was that the only people who ever bought land were people who were making a bet on where the city was going to expand or where the highway was going to go or, you know, people who made that bet in, in the on the highway between Cincinnati and Dayton 50 years ago have done well on it. But people who made the bet on the land between Cincinnati and Chillicothe are still sitting on it, right? <laughs> so right. It, it, it just it seemed to me like a different kind of investment and thought process and something where you're just going to have to put money in and leave it there. And what you said about there's lots of people who want to get rid of your, their land, I have found to be really true. there's a lot of people who just they aren't using it for anything they thought they would they inherited it from their grandparents they've you know their parents were emotionally attached to it when they inherited but the grandkids are not emotionally attached to it anymore right they 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 tend to think about it when that tax bill comes in every year every half year and and yeah way more motivated sellers because there also aren't a bunch of people like you reaching out to them and saying why don't you let me make an offer on your land? So, um, exactly right. And and you actually said one word that is very very crucial. That there's the people, the people who buy land. That's I think exactly the the misconception that most people out there have. They they associate land with either you buy it to hold on it and you speculate for a value increase, or you buy it to build on it. Mm-hmm. What we do is we don't. Ideally, we don't even buy the land. We we just 
we just do an arbitrage game. We, we pay, take a piece of land that's worth for thirty thousand dollars. We pick it up for three, and we go sell it for fifteen. And and yeah, and and so so we don't ideally we we just assign the contract over to somebody else. So it's basically the same game that the house flippers are playing, the house wholesalers, just in a different asset class that has one hundredth of the competition because nobody even looks at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what's interesting, and we'll have to come back to this after the break, is even the people who buy from you are not really looking to hold on to it forever as an investment or to build on it. They're looking for it for purposes that I just didn't guess existed. And, and that, that, they... <laughs> that's correct. There's, there's basically three, four, three, three to five different purposes why people buy land. And yes, we, I'll be happy to go into that in detail. Excellent. I also want to make sure we have opened up the phone lines for anybody who has questions about investing in or flipping land, because this is your day, 877-772-9658. I'm going to give that number again, because there's a lot of sevens. It's 877-772-9658 or if you're in you if you're uh, you know stuck at work whatever you need to send an email send it to askvina at gmail.com Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host Vina Jones Cox. We're talking about today about um let's call it profit potential in land. If you're not a developer and you're not interested in sinking a bunch of money into something and keeping it there for many many years hoping that it will become more money at some point. Um, my guest today is Jack Bosch, who has done, is it you and your wife have done like 1,400 of these deals, Jack? Is that? Actually, 4,500. 4,500. Yes. I'm going to, I think I transposed the digits when I was <laughs> writing. Okay. 4,500 is a lot more, yes. Um, so, and this is, I mean, it, it's not like you sailed to America's shores with a trunk of gold. It was, you know, student, no, student no, no, debt no. that you. <laughs> my dad is a high school teacher. No, my dad's a high school teacher. My mom's a stay-at-home mom. Um, so I, I came here basically with a loan that uh, I was given by by my dad to to basically pay for that one year of college, and uh, it wasn't just given to me. It was I had to pay it back, and uh, and and basically I had to figure out how to earn my own living. So I got student. Um, schol- not a scholarship, but a student assistantship. I worked in the in the university to make like five, six hundred bucks, and that's that's how I started. And and I bought a car not for nine hundred bucks. That was all the money I had left uh, to buy a car here in the U.S. And uh, and when we started, we had not much money to our name. But by that time, we had a job and we had a decent pay. And Michelle had the, had a job and had pay uh, got, got a salary, and I got a salary. And and Michelle, my wife now of 22 years. So that relationship worked out and <laughs> continues to work out and uh, will continue to work out. And, um, and so we, uh, no, we did not start with a, with a, with a golden coffer of, of money. But the thing is when you, our first deal though, when we got that, we, we got it for $400 and I, and I basically was worth about eight to $10,000 and was a, was a little into lot in a rural community and uh, with a dirt road in front of it, but all utilities. And the seller was like the typical case. The seller had just gotten through divorce. He had actually planned to build on there, but through divorce, he moved to Colorado from Arizona where the lot was, and and he just decided he just wanted to clean slate. Anything that reminded him of the prior spouse, of of his life in Arizona, I think he just wanted to have a wanted to get rid of it. So he accepted a four hundred dollar offer for a ten thousand dollar lot. 
And then we basically went up there, put a sign on the property, and the neighbor came across and bought it right off the spot from us for $4,000. And that was the first deal. And so now we have, we made we made 4000 out of 400 and then two weeks later we got a deal for 500 bucks. We sold that for $10,000, and now we're sitting on basically $14,000 um, in a matter of six weeks from starting with basically $900. Mm-hmm. And and so we self-funded this entire business, and we never had to take on a bank loan. We never had to. Um, we started with, with with basically a few thousand dollars, and and uh, and now I mean uh, we built in a matter of eighteen months we built that to a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a that's a. I, spe- I especially like the part where you didn't take out any bank loans. <laughs> you had all this money coming in, and no no debt dragging you down to to match it so yeah that's 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 exactly really right. good as, as a matter of fact we became the bank i mean that's that's an aspect we might want to talk about because uh over time we started realizing that was particularly when you when you go into like a little bit higher price properties that let's say you have a fifty thousand dollar property you put it up pull it up for um you you get on a contract for ten thousand dollars and you put it on the market for you have kind of two choices you put it on the market for thirty thousand dollars as a quick wholesale deal and you make 20 grand or as we realized we could also put it on the market at full market value but market it with seller financing and all we needed is somebody to come and put 20 percent down which basically means we pay ten thousand dollars for it but we get a ten thousand dollar down payment so now we basically get the money we have to pay to the seller from the buyer right at the closing table and have no money in the deal and uh, and then we we all of a sudden now we become the bank and we because we're still being owed forty thousand dollars because we sold it for fifty so now we we can become the bank and have cash flow from the land so we allow our buyers to pay this off let's say at five hundred dollars a month for the next fifteen years and and that became really nice and it became a nice alternative to to rental real estate where you have tenants, toilets, and termites, and 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 midnight moveouts, and and all these kind of things, and I'm not against it. I have a portfolio of rental properties now. Uh, we have multifamily. We own almost a thousand apartment units now, and, and single families. But the, it all started with creating our cash flow from land. Mm-hmm. So this is the next kind of like brain twister that people need to understand that that land not only can you flip it like people flip houses, you can also create cash flow from land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there, there is a lot to unpack here. So we, sure. we will get to the how do you get cash flow from land, but we need to go back to this idea that I think hangs a lot of people up. All, all of the listeners of Real Life Real Estate understand why people want houses. They understand that people right. need a place to live. I don't think they understand why they need land. And you mentioned that there were five different kinds of of uses five different kinds of buyers uh motivations yeah. for buying can you can you just share those with sure, folks no. and thanks for reminding me of that i was skipped over that but yes that's absolutely crucial to understand why this is uh, a really extremely well working uh, method uh so the 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 kind of uses for land and why people want land depends on the kind of land that uh that we're selling them so we focus on three kinds of properties. Number one, it's infill lots. Now, infill lots are very obvious in its use. You sell them to builders. Builders buy these infill lots. If the numbers make sense, they they buy it, they build a house on it. So if it's a $100,000 lot, uh, you get it for, in a contract, those you don't even have to get for 20, 30 cents on a dollar. And you, you, you might pay 55, 60 cents on a dollar. You pay 50, $60,000 for that property, 
but you immediately sell it to a builder for 75000 So you make a $15,000 profit. I think everyone is happy with that. The builder is happy because he just got a $100,000 lot at a $25,000 discount, and, and that just buffers its own, the numbers on the, on the construction project. Mm-hmm. So the builder buys it, then builds, builds the house, and then sells it to a family. All good. Anyone, I think everyone can understand that part. The second kind of property that we're focusing on is the property in the path of growth. So, for example, you mentioned the connection between uh, two cities like in Ohio, and some people buy them for speculation. And who am I to to judge if they want to speculate or not? But uh, that's the minority of people. Very few people buy it for value speculation. More people buy it, for example, uh, who are looking to down the road retire. And we have, unfortunately have a pretty sad statistic in the United States is that most people, literally the majority, something like 73% of the people over the age of 50 don't have enough money saved up for retirement. So if we now look at that and compare and, and say like, well, if they retire and they have Social Security coming in of $2,000, but rents are $1,500 for any kind of uh, decent apartment, they don't have enough money to live in the city and retire in the city in any kind of like um, fashion that's worth uh, that's that's a human that's worth a human being um, like for for a human being. I don't know how to express myself here, right? But basically, in a um, in, in in a good way. So what a lot of them are doing is a lot of them are starting to realize that, and some take second jobs and start to uh, and try to make more money, which is great, or 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 learn from us. We teach this now and so on. Uh, but many are also starting to realize that they say, like, well, I can't retire in the city. Cost of living is too high. Mm-hmm. So they go look for a piece of land sometime outside of the city that they can buy today, sometimes perhaps even pay over monthly, over, over a few years, thus the seller financing that I just mentioned. And then in five or ten years, they have played this, uh, paid this lot off. It's on a road, has utilities. They perhaps get a used mobile home, put it on there, and now they have a dignified retirement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's 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 a that's a kind of sad kind of story, but that's reality in the United States. And a lot of buyers, particularly in those below thirty thousand dollar lots, uh, are actually in that classification. But there's another group, and there's a completely group a group that popped up just about four years, uh, three years ago, that is absolutely has taken land off the chain and has put it on the on the turbo uh, on the turbocharger. And that is what we call, um, kind of like half-jokingly, the COVID buyers. And what I mean by that with COVID buyers is people that now, after COVID, we still have about 45 to 50% of the working population works from home. I work from home. Our team works from home. Lots of people I know work from home. And what that means is that if you work either the majority of the week from home or 100% from home, that means you don't have to live next to your job anymore. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that if somebody does, even if they have to go to work once a week, they're now willing to move further out because they're, they're okay with, with commuting once a week for an hour, hour and a half, but not every day. But if it's once a week, they're now, they're now moving a little bit further out because not everyone wants to live in a, in a master flat community. Not everyone wants to live in a, in a high rise. Not everyone wants to live on a postage sized lot in a little house where they reach out and they can reach the neighbor's house. Um, a lot of people want space. Yep, and especially that's... COVID has created the need for space. Yeah, and the so the, the interesting a lot of people. The, the interesting demographic the, the interesting demographic shift there that has happened in the last three or four years is 
as you said before, it was often retired people who were moving out to those areas where the taxes are lower and the, you know, the it's not as crowded and everything. And now it's millennials. Exactly. It's millennials. And they're in their peak earning power. They're making good money. They're not looking for a cheap piece of land. They're not forced to move out of there. They want to live on five acres or 10 acres. They still want to be able to get into town to go to the ballpark, to go to see, see a game, to go to the restaurants and those kind of things. So they're moving 30, 45 minutes outside of town in that path of growth. But they don't actually care whether the interstate goes through there or whether there's a lot of growth or not. They don't care if the property is going to appreciate or not. They just want the nice peace in nature. Mm-hmm. So therefore, and now let's add another factor to that, and that is actually that the uh, technology has advanced dramatically over the last 10 years. And, for example, solar panels are now affordable for a property like that. 10, 15 years ago, solar panels were feasible but expensive. Today, they're not so expensive anymore. And then add to that Elon Musk's uh, Skylink, the the subscription-based satellite Internet service that now is affordable for for most people. I mean, it's not cheap, but it's, it's, it's affordable. It costs a few hundred bucks a month. And so now you can actually be... 30, 40 miles, 50 miles, or 45 minutes outside of a bigger city in the middle of uh, nature on a 10-acre lot, have full-blown electricity, and have full-blown high-speed Internet. That, even that last one, that, that high-speed Internet, was not able, was not existing just five years ago. True. true so true, true. we have a completely different dynamic for why people move out into these areas. And then the third way, the third, the third kind of property we're focusing on is actually even larger property, like 20, 30, 40 acres in like an hour, two hours away from town. And those are typically, I refer to them as mini ranches. And even there, the people who are interested in them, they're not, they know they will never go appreciate in value. The reason people are looking for them is to have a place to go for the weekend or there's also a big movement. And if you look at Facebook, for example, there's 400,000 people in one group alone of people that want to go back and live off the land. Mm-hmm. That, that, entire, that entire concept of like, let me have a cow, let me have a horse, let me have a few chickens, and let me still be a tech worker in Silicon Valley, but from this place, uh, has really taken root. And, 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 and these are high-income earning people that just want a simpler life, that moving to the simpler life on a piece of land has gotten really ma- grown massively. So there's lots and lots of demand uh, from, from those people. And there's are not, again, they're not retirees. They're usually millennials or they're, uh, or they're in their 40s, 50s, uh, and so on. And they're not, they're not old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there's the thing that maybe it's only Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, but I doubt it, where people just want 40 acres so that they can take their kids out with an ATV on they literally never even put a building on it. They they want to they want an yeah. ATV on yeah, it, no, they want to exactly. hunt on it, they want to yeah. you know just yeah, go that, go that, out and do country what things. I call, like the mini ranch, the, the, the <laughs> recreational buyers like what we call them. This is like and I live in Arizona. So in Phoenix, Arizona, it's right it, it's right now today it's 113 or something like that out there. <laughs> but 2 hours north of here is the city of Flagstaff. Flagstaff is on 7,100-foot elevation. It's, it's 85 degrees up there right now. Beautiful sunshine, forests, pine trees, lakes. So what happens on Thursday, starting Thursday evenings already? Thursday evenings and, and, and Friday, it's like it's a beeline up the hill, and you should see the kind of vehicles that go up there. It's all big SUVs with big trailers, with dirt bikes, with ATVs, with razors, 
uh, with boats, with things. There is millions and hundreds of millions or tens of millions of dollars moving, going up that hill every single weekend. And again, those people don't want to be in an RV park where the neighbor is three feet away. Mm-hmm. They want to have their own 20 or 40 acre parcel to bring their friends and just horse around on the weekend. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jack, we need to take another break. When we get back, we're going to start answering some questions that are coming in at askvina at gmail.com. Again, that in case you all have a question and you didn't catch that, it's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com. You can also give us a call with any questions about land flipping at 877-772-9658. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we're talking about the possibilities with land that you didn't know about, haven't thought about, didn't know to ask about. Uh, Jack Bosch is my guest today, and before he gets going again, because as you can tell, he is super passionate about this topic, um, wa- I am. wants to um, let everybody know that Jack did agree to come all the way from Phoenix to join us at the 2023 National Real Estate Summit in November uh, here in Cincinnati, and that's November 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th, and, uh, you know, you all need to mark your calendars for that, and in fact, um, we probably need to start getting, go ahead and getting you, y'all signed up, because, uh, as you might remember from last year, it filled up, like, three weeks prior to the event, so I will get the station some information, uh, later on this week so that they can put it up on the website so that when you sign up for only $159, your money also goes to the station. So when I when I get that over here, I will send y'all a uh, an email letting you know how to do that and grab a seat before they are all gone. And uh, yeah, so Jack will be there also presenting on this same topic, uh, only without me interrupting him every couple of minutes. So we got who's buying the land. We've talked a little bit about what kind of land you're looking for it might be useful here by the way to talk about what kind of land you're not looking for jack because a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the vacant lots that we get offered in the city are just they're not suitable for any of this stuff they're they're yeah, not they're so, not good so neighborhoods they're 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 not big enough to build on there's all sorts of issues with some of this land yeah. so let's tell them what not to look for <laughs> Well, I always like to say that if the price is right, I look at every lot because there's a use for for any lot possible. Like the other day, uh, but yeah, but yes, there's 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 neighborhoods where typically when the when the when the house prices in the neighborhood are lower than what it would cost a builder to build a house in the neighborhood, then the the there's no real value in the lot anymore because if if it costs you three hundred thousand dollars to build a house. And neighborhood, the houses in the neighborhood sell for $250,000, and basically no builder will pick up a lot in that neighborhood. That doesn't mean, though, that this lot is worthless. It still has a nominal value, perhaps, for the neighbor. Perhaps mm-hmm. if you have if the neighborhood, uh, people in the neighborhood, they have like a boat or they have an extra car or something, they can use it to store stuff on there. So we have successfully sold lots in those neighborhoods, but... Typically, you don't sell them to a builder. You sell them to somebody in the neighborhood, to one of the neighbors, basically, in the, in the area, mm-hmm. um, for, al- for alternative usage. Mm-hmm. So one, one person has basically, one time we sold a lot like that, 
where we basically sold it as a lot where you can store your boat on. Uh-huh. And somebody had a little boat because close to a lake, and he had this boat in boat storage, and boat storage cost him $200 a month and or $250 a month. And we were like, well, you can buy this lot here, put a fence around it, and store your lot and perhaps your three buddies' lots and charge him 200 bucks for, for that and, and pay us $250 a month. And you basically now have an income property and uh, and you save the two hundred fifty dollars that you pay to the to to the other to the to the to the boat storage. And, and Jack, like, oh my God, that makes total sense. Yeah, let me and let, he, let and me bought the lot from us. Let me let let me let me stop you to make sure that um, listeners put a pin in what you just said, because the other thing that I have seen a lot of since I started actually paying attention to land since you said. You know, why are you flipping houses? It's easier to flip land. Um, is there, there is huge demand in, in sort of the, um, you know, most cities have a circle highway around them, right? We have, we have 275 here. And in the, in the kind of starting to get rural areas right outside of those, the demand for land to park tractor trailers on when people aren't using them. And to park RVs on when people aren't using them is humongous. And I, I've been seeing people buy, yeah. you know, they'll buy really not a lot of land, three quarters of an acre right off one of those state routes, put gravel down, and then offer parking spaces for $150 a month. Yeah. And, and they're full. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> the beauty of it is land. There's nothing on there. So you can, you, you, you you can have your imagination start. We have a piece of land that a construction company had a job by a by the city of Phoenix, and there was a lot in the city, an infill lot, a commercial lot, and and they offered us two thousand dollars a month to put their equipment there. Mm. It was like, well, great. I did that <laughs> for a couple of years, and I had all my money back that I had paid for the property. So, but but what, what there's are certainly a bunch of properties we we don't look for. I mean, we don't look for junk land. We don't look for land that you can absolutely never going to swamp land. Land on the side of a hill that you will never be able to build on. Um, there's, there's. I mean, if if it just looks like like something that is unusable for anything, we we don't we don't look at it. We're not in the business of buying junk land cheap. We're in the business of actually buying quality land cheap and then flipping it right away with the preferred holding period of zero days. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Now we just we just talked about a, a few of the ways where you can actually own the land and rent it and make money on it. But you also mentioned that selling it to these folks who maybe you know they maybe they want it on the weekends to ATV or live off the land or whatever that you can own or finance it to them. T- tell us how that works. Yeah, that's I mean it's as simple as what you said. So instead of let's say again you have a fifty thousand dollar property, instead of selling it for at a discount with uh with with for cash, you can sell it at the market value or much closer to market value with a down payment. And if you do it our proper way, our land profits way, uh then then and the ideal way is that you get as a down payment more than what you actually paid for the property. So here's an example of a of an again an infill lot that works for infill lots. It works for all the lots that I kind of talked about. So like here's an example of an infill lot that we've done that that this deal happened a couple of years ago, but it's it just stuck to my memory. Is an infill lot worth about sixty thousand uh, dollars? We got it for five thousand dollars from again somebody who had inherited it from their parents. They didn't care about it. Actually, it had a house on it. The house burned down. So they got insurance money. They raised the property. They never wanted to build. They never built something else on it. They had already made their money. They didn't care. They're just like, yeah, I just want to get rid of it. I don't want to pay the property taxes anymore. 
that the, that property tax thing is really one of the one of the reasons why a lot of people sell their land because if they don't use it, it just costs them money every year. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to sell it. Uh, so we've offered them five thousand. They accepted. So we bought it. So then we put it on the market and we sold it for fifty six thousand dollars with a sixty or fifty six thousand five hundred dollars with a sixty five hundred dollar down payment. So if you look at that, that that is a little bit more than it's a thirteen percent down payment. That's what it is. So thirteen percent, which is uh, which is great, and we now have a lot that, uh, but but it's more than we actually paid for the lot. So we paid five thousand off, all all closing costs included, and and now we're getting sixty five hundred dollars back as a down payment. So we're okay with that because we have fifteen hundred dollars in our pocket. Mm-hmm. But the best part about it is. Now we're getting, uh, this person particularly wanted, the buyer wanted a low monthly payment. So we, we structured the rest of the loan, the $50,000, such that they pay us $463 a month for the next 20 years. And if you add that up, we basically have no money in the deal. Right? We bought it for five. Two weeks later, we sold it for 56500 So we had $5,000 in it for two weeks. And then we're now receiving a total of $120,000 over the next 20 years on that property. Mm. I'm pretty happy with that. Mm -hmm. And the nice part about it is this is true cash flow. Because in a rental property, and again, I'm a landlord myself, in a rental property world, cash flow is not always true cash flow. Because you might get $2,000 in rent, but then you have a mortgage. If the mortgage is $1,200, you have $800 left. Well, once you pay the property management company, once you pay property taxes, once you pay, uh, once they move out and perhaps they have damaged the property, your cash flow can be eroded very quickly down to $500 a month or below $500 a month. Well, in this case, it's $463. Now, who pays the property taxes? They do because they are the new owners. We are now only the bank. So when you do that, you're only the bank. I mean, not only, you are the bank. And if you look at it, where which which companies have in downtown um, anywhere in the country, every big city in downtown, which which companies have the big, have the names on the skyscrapers in downtown? It's always the banks because they make the most money. We're used to always paying the bank, but right here is a way that you can actually be the bank. And now you receive checks every single mail, and if it's four hundred sixty, it's rounded up to five hundred dollars. You do ten deals like that, you have sixty thousand dollars a year. You do 20 deals like that, you have $120,000 a year coming in. And when Michelle and I, when my wife and I, when we figured this out, we, we actually blew this up to over six figures a month in cash flow coming into our account. Wow. With no calls about maintenance. That's, <laughs> that's the With no calls about maintenance. That's the best again, part right in most there. Cases, and with most cases, with the down payment covering most or all of what we paid for the property. So basically, with almost no money in the deal, it's, it's pure profit that comes to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jack, we're going to take one more quick break, and then for real, we're going to get sure. to the listener questions because they are piling up here in the inbox. Uh, listeners, if you have any questions about flipping land, I know this is going fast, but it's because we have an hour. He's got he's got an hour and a half at the upcoming National Real Estate Summit. Uh, so rest assured, you will find out a lot more there. But uh, anyway, give us send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today to Jack Bosch about flipping land. And again, Jack will also be at the National Real Estate Summit here in the Cincinnati, November 2nd through 5th. Just for the moment, make sure you've got it on your calendar next week. I'll send out an email letting you know uh, how you can actually register for it through a $159 donation to 
this wonderful public radio station. And, um, Jack, I was looking through the questions and we've got actually a combination of questions and fan mail for you here in the inbox. So let's start with, uh, let's start with Darren, who is from the Detroit area. Uh, you keep saying the, the, the land was worth 60 and I paid six. The land was worth 10 and I paid 500. Darren would like to know, how do you know what it's worth and that you're getting a good profitable deal when you make the offer? Great. So, um, actually, uh, this, this is actually, uh, this is a question I get a lot. So, um, I'm happy to, you brought it up. So, um, the, there's actually five ways to figure out the land value. The simplest one of them is, uh, very simply the exact same way that you figure it out for houses. Like, how do you do house, house values by comparables? Well, there's such a thing like comparables because again, we're not, typically land is not, the pieces of land are not like, one is round, the other one is square, the other one is triangular, <laughs> the other one is thing. No, they're typically all like they're whenever they were chopped up, they were chopped up in fairly similar sized pieces along at least in the geographical vicinity, like uh, close to each other. So all you need to do is go on a website like Zillow.com, uh, look up the location of the land, and then go see what they what other lots in the area sold for. And if nothing so, and right there you got your comparables because if there's three other five acre, if you if you're looking at a five acre lot, then there's three other five acres lots that have sold in the last year. That's one thing. In land land uh, values move a little bit slower than house values, so you can go a little bit further back in history and still have reliable comparables. So you can easily go a year back, year and a half back, and look at the what what has moved and what has what has changed hands and it would change ownership in that time period. So you go and look at what has sold in the last year, year and a half, and you see there's four or five acre parcels in the area sold for typically around $50,000 or $60,000, then that's your value. If not much sold, then you can go to, you can switch right there in Zillow, you can switch to listed. Because here's the thing, even if not much sold, realtors typically don't just pull up an asking price out of a hat. Right? They do... They have done some kind of research. Either they have they have data from their brokerage, or 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 they have uh, historical data, or or other reasons to value a property at a certain price. So what you'll find is that uh, you switch it to to list it, to list it on Zillow and or Trulia, and you see that there's five properties listed, perhaps for sixty five thousand dollars. Now, one thing to remember is that when listed listed values are not equal sold values in land, it's very common that if a property is listed for 65, it sells for 55. So it sells for like 10, 15, maximum, about 15% less than what it was asked, that's the asking price is. So if you see properties listed for 65, you subtract 15%, you're at 55, that's your value. But the, the most important part, and then there's a few other ways, but the most important part to remember is that we don't have to be 100% accurate. Because when we see that this property is worth $55,000, what is our offer going to be? It's not going to be 49. It's not going to be 39 or 29. It's probably going to be somewhere between 15 and $22,000 for this property. So let's say we offer $17,000. If now it turns out down the road, let's say we get it accepted, we put it on the market, it turns out that we're a little bit wrong and the property was not 50, worth 55, it was only worth 40, but we have it under on, on contract for 17. Can we still make a profit? And the answer is yes, we can still make, we can still sell it for, I don't know, $25,000 and uh, make $7,000 on it. We can still sell it for $30,000 and uh, 
and still make money on it. So you don't have to be 100% accurate, but in probably 75, 80% of the cases, uh, or 80, 90% of the cases, with the two methods that I just explained, you can find the value of the property. Wonderful. Um, SK would like you to clarify with your seller financing technique. Are you what, what sort of interest rate are you generally charging for that? That's a great, great question. I'm almost embarrassed to answer that question because um, because here's the thing: banks do not lend on land, particularly unless you are an experienced developer, an experienced builder. But even then, the ma- the max a, la- a bank will usually lend on a piece of land is 50% loan-to-value. However, in the examples that we just there, we don't have a problem selling a piece of land and only getting a 10 or 20% down payment. That means we're lending at an 80 to 90% loan-to-value. And that means that when you when – you, uh, and even the banks, even if they lend at 50% loan-to-value – they're typically charging above market rate interest rate. So even when interest rates for houses were at 3%, banks would, would charge 6 or 7% for a loan on a piece of land. Mm-hmm. Well, if you go up to 60, 70, 80, 90% loan to value, technically, on paper, your risk goes up, right? Mm-hmm. And, in, and, and in finance, the higher the risk, the higher the interest rate. Mm-hmm. So we have, to make a long story short, we have always charged around 12.9% interest, and we have never received any pushback from our uh, from our sellers. As a matter of fact, you can make it a sales tool. You charge 12.9% interest, and they say, like, oh, can we drop the interest? It's like, yes, you can drop the interest by putting more down. Uh-huh. So then you encourage them to put a higher down payment, and in exchange, you drop the interest rate to 9.9 or 3, wherever you want to be, because you are the bank. But when they put 20, 30, 40 percent down, they're already giving you more than you even paid for the property. So what is your real risk? Mm-hmm. Your real risk is zero because you have no money in the deal. Mm-hmm. The worst case scenario is that they stop paying. Now it might cost you $1,000 to foreclose on them, depending on which state you are in. In some states, it costs $50 and it takes three weeks. In some states, it takes six months and it and it costs fifteen hundred dollars. But then once you do that, you have the property again and you go resell it again and you get another twenty, thirty percent down payment and, and so on. So so really the risk for you is zero in the in the transaction. But uh, because you're offering an eighty, ninety percent loan to value, you can very easily offer uh, charge twelve point nine percent interest. Wonderful. So uh, this is this is more of a comment than a question. This is from Carolyn in Nashville. She said, um, I, I did Jack's program, and if he needs an example, I just bought a lot for $4,000 and will be selling it on payments for $25,000. It's rural, vacant, residential land in Indiana. It's not a huge deal, but they do mount up. I still do houses as well. So Awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. And uh, another email from Lucy, who is in the Indianapolis area. She says, I bought three acres of raw land in southern Indiana on a land contract. So she actually did it the other way around where she was mm-hmm. getting financing from the seller. She said, um, I found out that you can have nine primitive camping spots to rent, but then you have to get into the state regulating it. So what I did was I put a shed on it. I'm offering a coin-op laundry, primitive camping, and a vending machine, and planting 30 black blueberry bushes that I'm going to use for blueberries, and I love raw land. <laughs> there we go. Yes, I mean, can you, I mean this is, 
this is like we can we can go on for hours because this is just a, scratching just the surface. Can you use it for glamping? I mean, there's websites out there where, where you can give them the land to use and they pay you uh, because they're going to put tents on there and offer it as a, gl- a glamping campground. There's uh, there's there's Airbnb glamping providers that you can rent the land out to. There is, uh, I mean, also we, we're talking about like ten, twenty, four thousand to twenty-five thousand dollar kind of deals. We also got students in, in, in our universe that have done multi-million dollar deals because this this works the same way. Obviously, the higher the prices go, the lower the discount you get. So you buy, you can pick up a thirty thousand dollar property sometimes for four thousand dollars, like uh, the, the the person you just mentioned did. Um, and then sell it for $25,000 again. But you can also pick up a $3 million property, perhaps for $1.5 million, and then wholesale it for $1.8 million and make $300,000 in the process. Mm-hmm. You can do that too. Mm-hmm. Yep, good stuff. So we are unfortunately out of time. So I'm again going to have to direct people to make sure they come and see you along with the other 27 folks that are experts on other areas of real estate at the 2023 National Real Estate Summit coming up November 2nd through 5th here in Cincinnati. Jack, I look forward to seeing you there and talking to you more about how I can get deeper into this whole land thing because it's kind of cool. Absolutely. I'm excited to be, <laughs> to be coming there. All right. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs> 